This time I would like to invite Peg to come and read the scriptures. As a way of honoring the gospel, let us stand in spirit or in body. Good morning. I'll be reading from John 21, verses 1 to 17. After this, Jesus revealed himself unto the disciples by the sea, and he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee, and two others of the disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the beach. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, Children, have you any fish? They answered him, No. He said to them, Cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of the fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his clothes, for he had been stripped for work and sprang into the sea. But the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, but about a hundred yards off. When they got out on the land, they saw a charcoal fire there, with fish already lying on it, and bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore, full of large fish, a hundred and fifty-three of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared to ask him, Who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and so with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to them, Feed my lambs. A second time he said to Simon, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know I love you. He said to him, Tend my sheep. The word of the Lord. Please be seated. Thank you, Peg, and class of 1966 to, in your help in leading worship today. It is so good to have you back here in this holy space with so many memories and so many people uh, with whom you may have worshipped many years ago. I don't know when you were growing up in Chatham, was there a 
July 4th parade? Yes, okay. Did you see what was happening last Thursday on Main Street? They were putting chairs up on Thursday. Is that new? I know we put chairs up the day before. Five days before, is that new? Wow. Well, you better get a spot <laughs> if you don't have one already. It is good to be front row, especially if you have kids in your family, because that front row, that's where you get the candy. And it's all about the sugar on July 4th, isn't it? When kids are sitting front row, they want that candy. Uh, it is a great tradition in, in our town to have the 4th of July parade. Now, truth be told, we've been getting ready here at this church even before last Thursday. Peggy Schweitzer's been planting flowers out front. Donald has been mowing the lawn and making sure that our building is welcoming and beautiful. We've, we've had name tags made up for those who are in the welcoming ministry, a, a name tag that just says, welcome, so that if somebody comes in and they don't know where things are, they'll look for someone who has a name tag. And Zrinka has made those up, and Shelly has made those up. Uh, Tom Kitson made these large signs that have a picture of popcorn on them. And another sign that says, water, and what this money is going to. It's going to help support the ministries of RISE. We'll post those over by the tent that we're going to set up outside of Rada Hall. Steve Davis has been preparing a sign that we're going to put out front that says, open hearts, open minds, open bathrooms. <laughs> People will be so grateful to see there's a bathroom that they can use. We're, we're preparing to welcome people, and I am so grateful for that ministry that we're going to have. A few years ago, a colleague and friend of mine, Reverend John Vessels from South Africa, he's a Methodist pastor in the Church of Southern Africa, preached here, uh, I think it was a year or two ago. He and his wife Angela came to visit uh, our family. It was a wonderful time. They happened to be here on July 4th. And I was walking with John down Elmwood. We were walking to the parade, and we had set up our chairs the day before. He couldn't believe that so many people in this community trusted that their chairs would be there. As we walked down Elmwood, he saw somebody delivering a package to someone's front door. I think it was a UPS person put the package on the front step, and walked away. John, who lives in Cape Town, South Africa, couldn't believe it. He said, that would never happen in Cape Town. People would steal it. People would steal the chairs. He was incredulous. As we sat and watched the parade, and every time a fire truck went by, people would applaud. Every time a first aid uh, truck would go by, people would applaud. Sometimes they would stand for these volunteer organizations. And John helped me appreciate in ways that I hadn't before. I'd been going to July 4th parades since I was a child. This was normal. He said, in South Africa, this doesn't happen. 
we don't have volunteer organizations that are functioning and that are appreciated. And he said it, it was so wonderful to see the community of Chatham appreciate civic organizations, volunteer organizations that are functioning, that are helping serve the common good, and that are appreciated. And ever since then, I have looked differently on what we do as a people on July 4th to express that kind of gratitude. You know, this summer we've been um, looking at metaphors. Good religion has good metaphors that help us see something deeper, something that points to God, something that points to the holy, something that points to a way of discipleship that may be helpful. We started the summer by looking at that transformer that now hangs in the hallway with some reflections from Richard Rohr on what it is to be a transformer type of person. I commend that to your reading. It's, a lot of us have really been engaging in that idea. Another metaphor we lifted up was fruit, the fruit of the Spirit. And every time we see fruit, we're invited to think about the fruits of the Holy Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are words from the, the uh, New Testament that remind Christians this is God's hope for us that the fruits of the Spirit might grow in us and flow through us to be a blessing in our relationships. I asked Carolyn Palma if she could help me out with this metaphor. That's a heavy bag. Carolyn works for the first aid squad, and this is one of their bags. Whenever they're called, they bring these bags, they bring an oxygen tank, they go into homes... Have any of you ever been on the receiving end of the first aid squad's help? Oh, look around, people. Look around. Praise God for the ministry of the first aid squad. When the first aid squad gets a call, they respond. They don't ask questions. They don't Ask the people who are opening the door, have you been a good person? They don't ask. They don't say, do you go to church or temple or synagogue somewhere? They don't ask. doesn't matter if the person's religious or not religious. They are there to help. Regardless of whether there is a Trump sign or a Hillary sign on the front lawn, doesn't matter. They go in to help someone in need. They don't ask if the person is gay or straight. They don't ask if the person is Republican or Democrat. They don't ask whether the person is originally from this country or not. They are there to help. They are there to serve. They are there to work for the common good. And they offer no judgment. Even if they are caring for someone who is injured because of their own stupidity, which sometimes happens. That lack of judgment, that non-judgmental desire to heal is a great metaphor for us. And I hope that the metaphor may last until tomorrow, that whenever we see one of those trucks go by, maybe it's a fire department, 
also that kind of same non-judgmental, they are there to put out the fire. They are there to help. They are there to revive. That metaphor may be helpful for us who are trying to follow Jesus. Jesus, every time he appears as the risen Christ, does not judge the disciples. He could have. He could have really laid into them, but he didn't. Those disciples had failed Jesus. Those disciples had denied Jesus. Those disciples had given up on Jesus. And every time the risen Christ comes to those failed, broken, lost disciples, he has nothing but love for them. In one of the appearances, he says, peace be with you. And as if they did not get it the first time, he says it again, peace be with you. And as if they didn't hear what he was saying, he said a third time to them, peace be with you. And he breathes the Holy Spirit on them and he says, you now have the power to forgive. Oh, church. That may be the most important power God has entrusted to disciples. We are called to be forgiving disciples of Jesus. And Jesus has equipped us to do that. In the passage today that was the culmination of the vacation Bible camp, God sends shakalaka. Yes, the people who are worshiping with us online through Facebook and on our website won't understand what just happened. <laughs> that was one of the responses in Vacation Bible Camp. It means anything positive. Boy, the world needs some positive out there, huh? Jesus comes to the disciples on the beach. They're fishing. They had given up. They had seen the risen Christ. They still didn't believe it. Peter says, I'm going fishing, which is his way of saying, I'm done with this discipleship. I'm going back to the familiar. I'm going back to the way I used to make money and where I could depend on certain things to work in certain ways and I didn't have to trust in this elusive Holy Spirit. He had given up. The disciples said, we're going with you. They're all out there on the boat trying to fish. They're not catching anything. They've been up all night. The figure on the beach, the risen Christ, says, you catch anything? He's really funny. He knows they didn't catch anything. Put your nets on the right side of the boat. They do. They catch so much fish they can't even haul it ashore. It says in the Gospel, they caught 153 types of fish. Now, scholars these days don't fully know exactly what that means. Scholars used to say there were 153 known religions at that time, but now more modern scholars say that's really not the case. Whatever it was, it was a lot of fish. And they were reminded, when we listen to Jesus, we're in the flow. When we listen to Jesus, we're in sync with the creator of all that is, and maybe we need to drop the nets again and follow Jesus. Do you see the non-judgment of Jesus? He doesn't judge them. He doesn't scold them. He doesn't say nasty things to them. He doesn't express any frustration at them. He loves them. And he wants to equip them and prepare them so that the risen Christ can send them 
into the world to make a difference. He asks Peter, knowing that Peter has denied Jesus three times. Jesus asks, do you love me? Peter says, you know I love you. Feed my lambs, Jesus says. A second time, Jesus asks Peter, do you love me? Now Peter's getting a little bit frustrated. He's feeling a little hurt. He's perhaps feeling like Jesus didn't hear him or doesn't believe him. And Peter says, you know that I love you. Jesus says, feed my sheep. A third time, do you love me? Peter says, Lord, you know I love you. Jesus says, feed my sheep. It's Jesus' way of saying, I know your three denials. They are canceled out. I know your regrets of the past. Jesus is saying, it doesn't matter. He's saying to Peter, I know your failures, and I don't care about them anymore. I need you now. Brothers and sisters in Christ, those who are seeking to follow Jesus, perhaps you came to church today to hear me say to you, God doesn't care about your past failures. God needs us now. Perhaps you came to church to hear that God doesn't care about your old regrets. They are behind you. They are in the past. God needs us now to follow Jesus, to bring the compassion and love, the grace, the peace of Christ out into a broken and hurting world. The gospel lesson today is a reminder to us that no matter what our past is, no matter what our regrets are, no matter what our failures are, and there are plenty, it doesn't matter to the risen Christ. He calls us now to start again, to go out into the world and to represent the Christ to a world that may not know the love of God. They may not know that God loves them and accepts them right the way they are, no matter what their past is, no matter what their history is. Oh, people of faith, people of the search, people of the journey. Perhaps today can be a fresh start for us to let go of the past and to start to follow Jesus again right here right now. May it be so for you and for me. Amen.